I'm Michael Adams, your host today, and today I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest. It's an honor to host him, my good, good friend, Mike Best. Mike, how's it going? Oh, Mike, it's pretty great, man. I can't believe I'm finally on the catch. This is unbelievable. <laughs> We've wow. been talking about it for months. I've been trying to get you, you know, a celebrity, essentially, in the Catholic world. You're really hard to get a hold of, oh, hard to get locked down on a date. We're finally doing it. Oh, please. I'm on the most famed catholic podcast in the state of illinois no doubt oh probably maybe the world who knows i'd uh, scratch and claw my way on <laughs> yeah we had a very deep wouldn't take me. david finally advocated for me enough yeah I, I, am. I got some special phone calls some people some of your friends pulled a favor to got you in but you know we're here either way no liam liam brady is the ultimate negotiator here uh, liam knows i can't tell him no to much he, uh, yeah, he makes all these things happen for me. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but I guess for those who aren't as familiar with you, Mick, as I am, I was going to just say, maybe give a little quick introduction to you, who you are, what you're doing right now, what, what your life is, who is, who is Mike Best? Wow. That's a, that's a big question, but I'll, I'll start with uh, some basics. Just So I grew up in Peoria, not too far from your host, Mike Adams, and Went to Peoria Notre Dame High School. I had my own personal conversion, I guess, at the end of high school and went to the University of Denver for my freshman year of college. I was studying chemistry and uh, pretty quickly realized it wasn't the right place for me. And I switched to the University of Illinois, um, Newman Center in Champaign. Absolutely loved it. Um, graduated with a degree in chemistry in 2018. I spent the last two years in diocesan seminary out in Maryland, studying for the Diocese of Peoria. And now I am living in Chicago um, with some friends here. I'm still studying theology, and I'm also currently working for a rosary business called Bishop Sheen Rosaries. <laughs> Shout out to Bishop Sheen Rosaries. Yeah, yeah. I'm not making a plug. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I did say the name, Bishop Sheen Rosaries. um yeah this has been a long time coming i met mike when he was at u of i he quickly become became my sensei my guide (laughs) no but mick was very uh he he was a key component to my own personal conversion in college um so i have much praise for him and i'm very grateful for him and his witness so honestly today a blind man (laughs) <laughs> today is honestly it's a it's a personal pleasure to have him I'm, I'm very honored that he would come on and spend his time with me for the night uh, but honestly mick when i was, inter- when I was introducing you I, I keep calling you mick i mean to call you mike I, I don't know why i think i'm reading your name mick on the screen it's confusing me i don't know what's going on here but i don't know if you're familiar with espn radio but on espn radio there's a t- there's a radio show called mike and mike in the morning oh that's what, that's what i feel like we're doing this is the start of something great this is the start of something big Mike and Mike in the evening. Get us on relevant radio in the <laughs> Chicago land. This is totally happening. This is happening. Make it happen, people. Providence. Yeah, it's up to you, the people, to get us on relevant radio. Mike and Mike in the evening. Exactly. It could happen. Don't put it past us. Somebody's going to have to give us a cool intro tune. Um, yeah, we're going to need employees for sure. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. At least 10, maybe 15. Yeah. It's, it's going to blow up. Um, 
But I actually asked Mike on here a couple months ago. I've been trying to get him on here again, like I said, and I texted him this week, said, Mike, I'm in a, I'm in a budge. I, I just, I need someone to podcast with. What are you doing? Um, Nick showed up, says he's got a pretty juicy topic for us. So I'm excited to dive into it with him. Well, actually, Mike, it was really Providence uh, when you texted me, I have to say, because I was thinking about it. I was thinking about you and how we hadn't made this happen yet. Um, and I was listening to a great little podcast on uh, the call of Abraham and how it relates to our own lives um, in making decisions, in following um, God's call in our life and confronting fear, um, whatever that may be, fear of failure, fear of mistakes and um, yeah, actually making mistakes. So just, we have some incredible examples in the Old Testament that um, are specifically there for us to, uh, to learn from. Um, and the Old Testament is obviously like incredibly daunting. Um, it's, you know, like a, uh, <laughs> a pretty thick, obviously. And there's a lot of genealogies and laws and n names that you can't pronounce. Um, but there's also incredible stuff that we can learn that we can learn from these stories. So I figured, yeah, that was uh, that was God making it known that we should talk about that. So yeah, good enough place to start there. Honestly, as he said, like I was always really in intimidated by the Old Testament just because some of the stories and some of the words, the names, all of it, it's a lot to kind of take in, to be completely honest. Uh -huh. And I, I think uh, Father Chase actually gave me a book one time and he was like, Michael, just read this book about the Old Testament. We'll break it down really simple and then you won't be like afraid of it anymore. You can go and read it. And honestly, it's funny that we're talking about Abraham because that was like the first person in the first kind of chapter of that book was studying his life. And I remember being like, oh, that's what he, that's who he was. I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I had a lot of personal misconceptions about him and just also the old Testament in general. Um, so I'm excited to kind of dive into actually like the uses and the takeaways that we can kind of gain from it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's full of some really beautiful stuff aside from, you know, when they go on like rampages and wars and they they get into a pretty serious detail about mowing down Amalekites or Hittites or, Whoever it may be, ites. Yeah, any of the ites out there. <laughs> there's, lots, there's lots of ites. Um, but yeah, so like, if we if we just jump right into it, and I go to uh, and I go to Genesis chapter 12 here, and I open up to the call of Abram, who is not Abraham yet. Is, not yet. Uh, Abram not, emphasis. Not fully a man yet, apparently. So we begin, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whom who curses you, I will curse. And by you, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. So what do you think, Mike? I think that's pretty juicy. That's, there's a lot there, honestly. Um, but it, I do think there's something beautiful there. And I think the way it opens up is probably the most striking thing for me, where it says, go from your home, go from your father's house, all of these kind of, you know, essentially it's go out of your comfort zone and go into the unknown, which I think is usually where that first battle of Christianity occurs is just 
diving into the unknown, not knowing where you're going, not knowing what things mean, but just taking for what it is and going. And I think there's also something there just, we have this deep inert desire just to stay where we're comfortable and how often that comfortability just holds us back from actually reaching our full potential. Absolutely. Exactly. So what I always find like most most interesting about this is like, yeah, it's, it's obviously a, a call out of comfort, right? Like the apostles, uh, Peter calling or Peter going out of the boat and all the other apostles stay in the boat. Don't get out. But specifically in this one, what's fascinating is that God doesn't point out where to go. He basically just says go, <laughs> which is like frustrating, right? I mean. Frustrating, but it kind of seems typical. <laughs> Honestly, it just seems like that's like a reoccurring theme within like the nature of following God is oftentimes there is a lot of unknown and the direction in which we're going sometimes seems very clouded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Specifically for Abram, this guy's 75 years old. He's living in the time of Genesis. So uh, I'm just imagining him, this bearded old man living in a tent, and he hears the Lord say, go, and I will make you a great nation. And I'm just imagining this like disheveled old man in the desert. He wakes up and he's confused. He just heard this voice. He doesn't know where to go. So you, you go, you got to go. <laughs> he has to do something. Where do you go? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which direction do I start in? Uh, I guess I'll follow the water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just follow whatever feels right. Follow the gut. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if I were, if I were in a car, you know, it's, it's different, but this guy, yeah. Who knows, who knows what he's going out to. Um, this is a time of like tribal warfare and people just hack at each other. Um, so something to, uh, something to think about there. Like the Lord says go and he doesn't know exactly where to go, but he's walking. Like that's the most important thing. He's doing, he's doing something. Yep. Doing something for the Lord. And he responds to what he, what is, what is prompted in his heart, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And eventually, like as he walks, he will be shown the right way. Yeah. And even if he is going the wrong way, eventually that correct way would be shown, correct? Is that what you're trying to say too? Yes. Yes. Okay. I would, I would say so. Yeah, I would agree. So another, another interesting aspect of this. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. So many of us know who Lot is, right? Mm-hmm. Lot is the nephew of Abraham. But what did what did God also just say? Go from your country and your kindred. Strike one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big swing and a miss. Abraham's already struck out. He's probably going to get swallowed up by some tribe that's just hacking at people. And yep, might as well just wait for that to happen. Yeah. So now what? You tell me. I don't know. Well, so Abram goes on his way, right? And then um, they run into trouble. Um, eventually, Lot ends up at Sodom and Gomorrah. 
and there the Lord is like threatening destruction on the city um, because of all the evil going on there. There's a famine. All the bad things happening. So, so God is making it known clearly that it wasn't, it wasn't uh, followed. His, his command wasn't followed or his will wasn't, wasn't followed. Right. Yeah. So Abram made a mistake. Like he didn't, he didn't fully trust. Um, so something, something interesting about this as well is Abram actually isn't just this like nomad old, old man disheveled in a desert somewhere. We learn actually that like he goes to help Lot. He's in Sodom and Gomorrah and, and being besieged or whatever. Um, and Abram had followers and he was actually a leader of a large group and would go to fight. So we have this man in this call following in a direction he doesn't exactly know. He's afraid to let go of everything. He gets into trouble, but he continues to get back up. So he goes, he helps a lot. Um, but he also, then he, then he flees to Egypt. He lies about who his wife is to the Pharaoh. And he continues making these huge mistakes and God continues to get him, to get him out of it. And eventually we come to this time where God and Abram are reestablishing their relationship after Abram has made mistakes, tried to pull him up, pull himself up by his bootstraps. He's lied. He's done everything he could to make his own will work. And, and God says to him, he makes the promise um, I believe it's in chapter 15, where he says, Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram is like, Lord, I'm 75. My wife is barren. I don't have anything going for me. How is this going to happen? And he promises uh, a great nation. He promises um, numerous descendants. He asks him to go out of his tent, look up at the sky, he says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars. But what's fascinating about that is it was daytime. Was it actually? These yeah. are the things, that, these are the things that frustrate me. Like, how have I never been told this before? I know, right? It's mind-blowing. So you learn later, I think it's about seven verses later, that several hours later the sun goes down. That's so interesting. Yeah, how about that? That's such a twist. So God asks him to trust that he will have a great nation to follow him. He will have a royal nation to follow him. When he's, his wife is barren, he's 75 years old. He says it'll be as numerous as the stars. And he can't see a single star in the sky. The sun's technically a star, isn't it? So what's, what's going on? Is God just playing games with him or what? Honestly, yeah. It seems like God's having a little bit of fun with him to some degree. <laughs> uh, Got a sense of humor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. That, that's a question that's worth, I guess, discerning. But I, I actually am kind of confused by it to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is your explanation for it? God is asking us to trust him even in it, when it seems like there's no possibility 
of his promises becoming true. Yeah. And it's also beautiful too, because I, I don't know, like you think like, look at the sky and your sense will be as numerous as the stars. And although the star, it's the middle of the day, you can't see the stars. I mean, science, we know that the stars are beyond the sky still. Like we know this, it's not like the stars just like disappear mm-hmm. and they're not there anymore. It's mm-hmm. just, we just can't see them due to the sun. That, that's a very interesting thing. Just, it's not necessarily that they aren't there. It's just almost blind us. And again, it kind of goes back to that trust. Yeah. It's called a trust in the unknown. Yeah. And I think it's cool. You saying too, that we know, we know the stars are there. Like we know God is a good God, a trustworthy father. And that he has an infinite love for us. And even when we can't feel it or see it, or we feel we're in a dark place, we know it's there. And like Abraham, we just keep walking, right? Yeah. And eventually what happens, God God actually does make a great nation out of him. Yeah. It's so interesting too, because when you think of like, go, your descendants be as numerous as the stars. If I walk out right now and somebody were, if God was to tell me that right now and I walked outside and looked up in the sky, I wouldn't be able to fully comprehend that still. Even if I knew what he was saying, like, oh yeah, as many as the stars, I wouldn't be able to comprehend how many descendants that is. Like, I can't comprehend how many stars are out there. And I think it's kind of another parallel of just like, we might not understand that direction that God's leading us. Like he might be leading us there, whether we do or don't fully understand or comprehend exactly what he means or what he's doing through that. Or like you said, how he will do that when we think it's vastly impossible that that could ever happen for us. Right. It's fascinating. Yeah. Because what happens when you, when you follow a call, right. Or you follow a, something that's in your heart, whatever that might be, you know, a big decision in your life to move somewhere, um, to ask someone on a date or something, or to follow a vocational call or even the little things like, you know, in your daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I know I've definitely experienced in my life where I have an inspiration towards something or like there's something on my heart that I want to do. And I start doing it. I'm like, Oh shoot. Was this, was this right? <laughs> this is a lot more than I thought it was going to be. That is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we thought God's will would just be easy, Mick. You're telling us it's not easy sometimes? Mm. Who's to say? Who's to say? So, yeah, I mean, when we look at this story, how do you think, how do you think that applies to, you, to your own life? Uh, to my own life? I think it's that whole, again, fear of making a mistake. Um, I think I, I live a decent amount of my life with that mindset. You know, I think we live in a very perfectionism culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a much more materialistic culture where uh, the value of our life is almost determined by our success and our capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not successful or you're not capable in the eyes of the world, therefore you are invaluable to the world. And so I think a lot of our, at least my generation, I think, lives in this fear of, if I make this mistake, I will no longer be valued or I will no longer be loved. And then we almost get like paralysis just out of fear and we can't make it. It's almost like paralysis by analysis. There's so much going on and there's so many different possibilities that we're not comfortable making that decision until we know exactly how it's going to turn out. Right. Which again is completely contrary to faith 
because there is no faith in that. It's just a decision. You know, the outcome that's like doing a math, like what's two plus two, it's four. I know that every single time I do that, it's going to be four. Mm-hmm. And whereas I don't need faith to do that. You know, there, there is no trust. There is no ebb and flow between you and God. Um, it's kind of funny. The company I work for right now, we have a saying, which is maybe not, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting saying for a company to have, I think. Um, but their entire phrase is a bad decision is better than no decision at all. Um, mm-hmm. Which again, that, take that with a grain of salt. That can be, that can go two different ways. Um, but I think more so the way I want to go with that is just this idea of inaction. If we're not going in the right direction, God's going to lead us. I mean, we have it in Abram, like, he's going in the wrong direction time and time again. And again, and again, God's like face palming himself, like, dude, get it right. Yeah. But it's not like in today's culture where it's like, Oh, I did all these things wrong. Now I'm fired. Or now these people don't want to hang out with me. Or now I'm outcast from society. God's like, you did these things wrong again and again here. Try again. Right here. Try again. And that keeps inviting you back in when in, today's culture we're told the exact opposite will happen to us dude yeah i think that was a that was a great description mike oh thank Uh, you mike when yeah so liam brady my roommate here um he's paying me for every time i mention his name he (laughs) mentioned uh the the corporate 50 now it's not it's not 40 hours a week it's 50 hours a week and if you're not Mm -hmm. doing 50 you're not making it and the reality of like of of working moving um doing something like like work is good in itself it's very good to work hard but what is the lord asking of abraham he's asking him like a very simple task Mm -hmm. you know he's asking him to walk towards him essentially yeah he's not asking him to break his back he's not asking (laughs) he's not and he's not saying to abram i want you to go found a great nation He's saying, I just want you to walk and I will find the great nation. I will make the great nation. Yeah. That's so interesting. I think a lot of times, at least myself, when I have like a discernment question or really any question that I go to God with, I think I tend to put pressure on myself of just, I need yeah. to do this. Right. I need to like pull myself up by the bootstraps, get myself on my feet and I need to make this happen. And again, I guess the story like, completely proves me to be wrong <laughs> it's a good thing it makes me feel better it's it's like kind of freeing and takes the weight off your shoulders there's not as much pressure on us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it's interesting because god is definitively asking us to like to go yeah to be on mission for him no matter what way that is it's it's in the gospel go therefore and make disciples of all nations but yeah at the same time it's like what is it what is the worst case scenario in our Catholic faith. Like if we are living for God, what, what's the worst case scenario? Literally the worst case scenario is heaven. Like <laughs> the worst case scenario is like God still loves me and I'm fine. <laughs> I think about that literally all the time. Like, oh my gosh, what if I go on this podcast and I'm a huge bust? What if I have absolutely nothing to say? What if I, you know, fail this class? What if I'm just a total wash? <laughs> What's the worst <laughs> that a, scenario? That's highly convicting. I've never thought of it like that, Mike. 
That is very interesting, actually. Worst case scenario is heaven, which in reality, I think I always think like, oh, that's best case scenario. Best case scenario, I go to heaven. It's like, that's worst case scenario. That's, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, um, I've heard one analogy I love about just the life of faith is that living within the boundaries set by the church of, you know, what is mortal sin um, mm-hmm. and what is a state of grace um, it's like a net around a trampoline is that once you're inside the net, you are free to jump. I like that. Some people can jump really high and go over the net, but you can jump pretty high. Mick. Don't, don't, don't want to do that. Don't get too excited. Mick's pretty athletic. You, you, you have the tops. Mike, Mike, I, I am I'm oddly all of my old self. <laughs> I don't know. I, I saw you jump a couple of, like, I don't know. I feel like four months ago, and I remember you got pretty high. I thought we were playing catch or something. You got, the, you, you got the bunnies. You can't see below the face in the in the camera. <laughs> um, some lbs. <laughs> happy weight. Just kidding. Anyways, away we digress. From, away from my weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an it's an amazing life that and and it's like only then only when i have that realization of like okay worst case scenario is that god loves me infinitely and his his son died a brutal death for me that that like compels me to go on mission that's what that's what is the driving force to go forth from your country and your and your father's house you know Mm -hmm. and nothing other than that can be the foundation right yeah, and I think we also look for more foundation than just that sometimes, though. Mm-hmm. I think the foundation we truly look for is certainty in the outcome. Right. At least I do. I know that. Why do we do this, man? Why do we do this? I don't know. I'm kind of getting mad at myself right now. This is frustrating. Why have I been putting all this pressure on myself? It's so simple. Yeah, one, one, uh, one guy described it to me once. He was like, it's like I sit down in a chair. And then I keep getting up to test the chair. And I like push down on it, make sure it's still it's still working, still functional. <laughs> it's like it's like floating in a pool. It's like you doggy paddle like crazy, and then you realize you float. Yep, exactly. You're like, oh, I, I can relax. This is supposed to be enjoyable. This isn't supposed to be hard work. Do you think? Do you think that Christianity it's sometimes painted with a broad brush as naive in that sense? In what sense? That like, God loves me, everything's okay, I don't have to worry about anything? Yes, I do. I think, I think I'm on like, I, I fluctuate between the spectrums. One, I think that's a very great way to think of it. Um, it's very powerful to know and understand the level of love and mercy that God offers us. Um, but I also struggle with the whole idea of, well, that's not an excuse for inaction and just accepting your life for what it is. Like, yes, you are loved infinitely, um, no matter what. But that isn't just a call to sit back and just watch the world go by. And it's not a call to sit back and just see all of these things happen when in reality, again, God's asking you to walk and he's asking you to progress. And I think I've learned through the walking and through the progressing as easy as it can be to accept the fact that yes god loves me infinitely the walking and the journeying is filled with hardship it's filled with 
muscle soreness, you know, if you're going to walk 20 miles, you're going to be pretty dang tired by the end of those 20 miles. Like your feet are going to hurt. You're going to have blisters. It's not going to be always enjoyable, but the destination is going to be worth it. And I think that's the thing that sometimes I think we simplify the Christian journey and think point A to point B, all it is is just God's love and mercy. And those points are the same when in reality it's yes, God and love, God's love and mercy allows me and strengthens me to take that walk to point B. Mm-hmm. But right. Because what is, what does God also say to us? I mean, he says um, that he has sent his only son for us. And he also says, I mean, Christ says to us in revelation, you are lukewarm. I will spit you out. <laughs> That's such a good line. I know. I love it so much. It's awesome. It sounds like something that would come from the Old Testament. but Oh, it's it not. does. It really does. Just heavy metal stuff. <laughs> right. But the reality is, like, Christ, Christ died for us in the most incredible possible fashion. Mm-hmm. And then he keeps, he keeps, like, re-sacrificing himself for us. Like, go, spread my love go to the people who don't know it. Yeah. Like get out of the boat. (laughs) Why is Peter the only one out of the boat? Get out of the boat. I love Peter. He is my man. It, um, it also makes me think too of like the reality of, you know, why, why do we do that? Why do we use sometimes God's love as an excuse to like, you know, sit back, um, wave the white flag. It's like, I, I come to this quote of, from Lord of the Rings. Good man. Dangerous business, Mr. Frodo, going out your door. <laughs> uh, what is it again? If, there's, uh, if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you'll be swept off to. Say that one again. It's a dangerous business, Mr. Frodo, going out your door. If you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you'll be swept off to. Oh, I just, I, I missed the second half of it, but yeah, I got to take that one in. Yeah, I know. Lord I, of the Rings always comes through with a good little <laughs> Christian analogy. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely the best. And it's, um, that's another one too, like Lord of the Rings. Uh, a lot of people are, are turned away, I think, by the, uh, I don't know the language. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to say flowery, but flowery is not, not the right word. Yeah, it's not. not. Maybe not real enough, but that's like the point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a story. It's a story. It's supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. But reality, like, but the reality is like Lord of the Rings captures the idea of peril and danger, like better than anything right yeah exactly so it's like you know even when when abram goes on this journey like famine you know that's kind of a bad thing (laughs) usually i haven't heard many situations where it's been celebrated um famine's bad war is bad and he's like thoroughly in this i mean he's yeah fully entrenched right so why do we, why do you think we always, um, or why do you think there might be that connotation of, of, I don't know, being naive or there's. I think we want it to be 
running away from suffering. Honestly, I think we want it to be easy. I think also it's been kind of, and we, we've talked about this before, but it's kind of like the modernism of the faith at times. Um, I, I, I know that we, I, again, I think mercy, love should be preached heavily all the time. But I think sometimes we fail to preach on some of these things of just the hardships that come along with it um, and the effort that goes into it. I mean, read about any great saint. Read about Peter, just in general, Peter's life. I mean, Peter did not have necessarily an easy life. I mean, it was a struggle for him. And then again, Peter made failure upon failure upon failure. And it was just, it wasn't like it was just like, oh, I am one of Jesus's best friends. And because I'm best friends with him, my life is easy and perfect. And I have no suffering. I have no pain. Living a life in full union with him is easy for me. Again, he shows it wasn't easy for him. He denied Christ three times. I mean, obviously it wasn't easy for him. And he was as close to Jesus as he could be. Right. I, I, I don't know. I think sometimes we just want it to be fluffy and we want it to be easy and nice and pretty and no one gets hurt. Everything's perfect because we, f- for lack of a better way of saying it, but we fear suffering and we, we fear pain. Um, not that we should necessarily desire fear, or desire pain and suffering. That's a whole other conversation, but um, look to any great saint. And I don't think you'll find a single one that didn't undergo some sort of hardship in their journey to Christ. Right. Even just like, not even physically speaking, like spiritually speaking, like we talked about like the dark night of the soul and all of these um, great saints who were just insanely spiritually attacked. Um, I think think we just don't want that to exist because if it doesn't exist, life's a lot easier. It's it's a lot less scary. It's just simple. We can worry about the world more than we don't have to worry as much about our spiritual life and faith because if that's all in check and I just have to wave the white flag and all I have to do is just go to mass on Sunday and accept it, that's great. Then that gives you six days of the week to just completely forget about it and just live of the world and be of the world until next Sunday. And it's like, Oh, well I made it to Sunday. I'm good. Can't wait for heaven in 80 years. Like That's just not how it works. Right. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, it seems like, I, I don't know if you could relate to this, Mike, um, but like before my conversion, I think, I think my life was definitely easier in the externals. What, what do you mean by externals for Just clarity? Like things happening to me in my life, you know, or like trials, you know, just difficulties of life, probably. They were easier yeah. for you to go through, you think? they were in the sense that like not easier to go through, but objectively less difficult. Oh, but I, okay. I was really unhappy. I was, I was terribly empty. Yeah. And then after my conversion, I think life was actually throwing a lot more, but I've, I've never approached the emptiness that was there beforehand. And it's like suffering is, is, much more real you know it's it's... yeah i I personally do relate um i mean this is something i talk about all the time to anyone i know you've heard my testimony and there's a handful other people out there in this world that have and something i've always said is just yeah in the worldly sense i should have been super happy like right the trials that came to me honestly there weren't any that were that insane like i had a pretty easy life i'll be the first one to say that But even though I had a good life per se and an easy life per se, 
there was this like very deep, empty sadness within me that I honestly couldn't really explain. Um, and like when trials did come up, those trials overwhelmed me. When in reality, I look back on them now, I'm like, why did I get upset by that? Like that shouldn't have bothered me. That wasn't a big deal at all. Uh, and then after my conversion, you know, there's this, this, your heart feels full. And when you do go into these trials, I think the trials truly become easier no matter if they are necessarily scarier or more steep. The trials become less scary and less, I don't know, unachievable. I, I personally think that's because you don't feel like you're necessarily going through them alone anymore. Yeah, It's like that whole idea of, you know, get up and walk. through those trials you don't know where you're walking but you know someone's walking with you and you know someone's like taking you're like i don't know why this is happening right now this kind of sucks but like i know you're i know you're showing me to something no matter what that may be and so Mm -hmm. i think honestly i'd like you to actually say whether you would agree with this or not but i think it came down to hope i don't think pre-conversion i had that same amount of hope i think now there's a new level of hope within my heart and just hope for better, hope for deliverance, hope for God's providential love. Right. I don't know what you think though, if that's something yeah. that you've experienced. Oh, yeah. I think that's exactly right because hope is a uniquely Christian virtue. Mm-hmm. And uh, hope is a, is a virtue that without Christ, um, without God, it ultimately means nothing because the natural hope ends in nothing. Yeah. <laughs> With a, if it doesn't end in God, it ends in nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think, um, yeah, there's some, something to that journey, too, of, like, even when it's suffering that's, like, self-inflicted. Like, I made a mistake. Oh, shoot. It's like, yeah, we can still keep walking, like, adjust, adjust our path, just like yeah. Abraham did. And again, I know you and I have talked about this too before, like I kind of go back to the same question you just asked me, but your mindset with making mistakes pre-conversion to making mistakes post-conversion. Um, I, I mean, I, for lack of using pre and post-conversion, you know, making mistakes when you are in the world thinking of the world versus making mistakes when you are not really of the world living more your Christian life. What, how has your reaction to those mistakes changed or how have your feelings about your mistakes changed? Well, that's a, that's a great question because I think the feelings aspect is something that doesn't quite change as much because the feeling after making a mistake is, is, you know, (laughs) (laughs) dang it. (laughs) Um, That happens to me daily. Um, But the beautiful thing about it now is like a monk out uh, near Peoria said this, said, how does Jesus, how does Jesus view your mistakes? How does he view your weaknesses? And it's like, he, he just totally envelops them and wants them to bring him, bring them back to him. It's like, that, that's the beauty of confession too. Yeah. St. Margaret Mac, Mary Alacoque, when she had visions of Jesus, and she wasn't sure which was Jesus or which was the devil trying to impersonate Jesus. Her spiritual director told her, here's how you're going to do it. Ask him what your last sin was. And she asked the first vision and 
her sin was repeated back to her. And when she asked the Lord, uh, he said, I've already forgotten. <laughs> Chills. You've told me that story before and every single time it gets me. I, I know, right? It changes every everything. Every single time. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's honestly a game changer. Right, right, right. It's like hard to not have it as license to just go make a bunch of mistakes. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Yep. But it's, it's, um, it is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And it takes like, it takes like humility to accept that, you know? Yeah. I I would agree. Cause I think I've had this conversation with John before. Um, but the pride that comes from those mistakes sometimes and the idea of like undoing them, kind of like you were saying, like, your inequities and your mistakes, like what are those in the eyes of the Lord? It's like, you want to undo some of those mistakes sometimes. Like, well, I need to go back and like fix things. I need to go like apologize over and make sure that this person's okay now that after I hurt them. And we always would come back to like, well, do you really care to undo the mistake? Or is it more out of pride and thinking that they can't be better until you do this? Or that you want them to know that you're on this changed person. And really, I think the true pride in that now that we're talking about this comes from, do you not trust God to fix that for you? Do you not think that he is like loving and powerful enough to like make up for your stupidity? I think this Tanner God's to his like go-to line. The Lord has already accounted for your stupidity. I think I I live by that phrase like every single day of my life. Yeah. Have you ever thought about like, like what if, (laughs) uh this is a weird question to ask but like what if what if everything was in a way like i don't know metaphorical way made of glass where like people can see your thoughts oh it'd be bad (laughs) that's terrifying (laughs) but it's like gosh if we really if we really approach christ's um like call and forgiveness and mission in the right way it's like people should be able to look look in and mm-hmm. see like oh yeah he's just trying to do god's will yeah like utter simplicity just tells the truth he's not trying to fix anything or or lie about anything in the past yeah he's like fully i don't know unified with it or, or like, at peace with it. i mean it's the whole idea of just being fully immersed in the truth i think that comes with greater unity with christ though too when, when you're living in the truth of him the truth of yourself becomes to be more exposed. Right. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think GK Chesterton said the daughters of humility are romance and adventure. Oh, I, you know, I'm all about the adventure. <laughs> but like, that's, that's a romance too, right? Is making mistakes and yeah. coming back and encountering forgiveness. Yeah. Encountering that love again and realizing the future is yeah an adventure exactly that like lord i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do what you're putting on my heart i don't know where it's gonna lead me or if i'm gonna be able to do it i really feel incapable i feel terribly incapable but that's exactly the romance and the adventure yeah about it yeah it's up to God. Like when you, when you just do God's will, it's like, it's up to God's will, God to provide, you know? Yeah, exactly. Again, I, it takes me back to our trip to Colorado, that treacherous hike up Buffalo mountain. Um, when we went through that and we got lost and we didn't know where we were going 
all we knew that all we really knew is that if we walked up, we would eventually reach the summit. We didn't know we didn't know how to get there. We just knew that we would reach the summit eventually if we kept going up. That's the same thing I'm thinking of here. Of just man, I didn't think we were capable. I thought we were going to get hurt. I thought we would eventually turn around. I thought we'd get lost. X Y Z. But honestly, it took just trusting in each other and trusting in the mountain and trusting in God. And then when we reached the summit, I think every single one of us were like, this was worth every single hardship, every single altitude sickness I got and every ounce of trips and scratches, all of it. But the summit was worth it. Right. Yeah. It seems to me that my memory tells me somebody stopped, you know, maybe just short of the top, but. Uh, I don't, well, we'll that. That. I I don't we remember. We definitely got to top. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were uh, falling into four foot snow drifts and uh, I thought that was it, man. I was going to the light. I thought so too. I th- there was a couple times I wouldn't have been surprised, but we made it. Yeah. I think it's the best thing. I guess the takeaway from this is just fear of making mistakes, fear of fear of acting, I guess, is truly what I think this is. is just fear of action, taking action. And in reality, there is no fear to it. There's no justifiable fear. We may feel that, but the fear might just not be justified. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think, um, like, what happened to Peter on the water, you know? Yeah. When when he went under, it was because he started looking at all the externals. Yeah. And keep your eyes on the Lord and the waves are only lapping at your feet. I like it. Yeah. Fear holds no bounds over us unless we take our eyes off Christ, essentially. It's the whole idea. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Dude, what a what a sad way to go that would have been if we if we died on the mountain. That would I, been maybe tough. maybe maybe a somewhat epic way. It'd have been epic but also very sad. <laughs> we would have had to like go out with an epic tombstone epitaph or like obituary also. Oh, it would have had to been something crazy. We had to make up, like, left, like, a note just, like, marking out, like, a crazy story about what happened, none of it being true. By a finger, Mike almost got to him. <laughs> exactly. Just got to make it as obscene as possible. He actually started snowboarding down the hill and then didn't quite make it. And there was a bear, fought the bear, won. Mm. Mm. I'm pretty sure that happened on that trip. I did. I did fight a bear. You weren't there? Uh, its name was James Cabus. <laughs> a bear indeed. Yeah. Or beef. Beef. Probably, James, yeah. James and his bear friend, Beef. <laughs> uh, well, this has been awesome. Mick, thank you for joining us. This has been an honor to have you. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, in Leo, prayers for myself and... Um, the catch and all of this mission i will ask that you guys redirect him to good old mike mike best offer your prayers for him his needs his discernment all the good things that he could use him for Thank so you, yeah of course my pleasure dude sure. yeah well thank you guys for listening um if you have any comments questions concerns or needs feel free to reach out at the catch at gmail.com um but yeah until next week we'll see you guys later adios